Grab your coffee. It's time for an episode of Chit Chat with the Queer and Creative. I'm your host, Melissa De Silva. Hello, hello, Chit Chatters. Thank you for joining me today. You could be anywhere else listening to anybody else, but you are here with me and my wonderful guests that I have this week. But before we get into that, I want to let you know that I am offering one-on-one transformational retreats for individuals who want to take that next step in life. Now, this could be finishing a project that you've started. It could be just trying to get sorted out those things that have just been kind of cycling through your brain or cycling through your life that you're just finally like, I'm done. I want something different. If this sounds like you, go over to my website at melissadesilva.com and take a look at my retreat. Now, this retreat is going to be designed for the individual to come down to Puerto Rico and participate with a bunch of different activities and relaxation and reflection with me. So you get one-on-one attention from me, a coach, therapist, I'm also an author and a podcast host, if you didn't know. So if you are interested, make sure you head over and send me a message and let's get on the Zoom and chat about how I can help you. So one of the things I find very interesting is that over the past 40 years, a lot of things have changed. And I just, you know, I've said it many times, I just kind of like reflecting about how far we have come as a society. And in the world of the transgender knowledge that people are having, we've come a long way. Because I would say back in the 80s, we didn't really talk about it at all. In the 90s, it started coming out, but we started to see it as more as not taken as seriously. It's always been kind of like a butt of the joke. And then in the 2000s, I think we started to really decide, like, we need to start taking this seriously because this is a real thing and it affects a lot of people. And it's really important that we support all members of our community. And Through this, I think we have been also privileged enough to have the internet so that we can access this information and be able to have communities online, not just in our small towns. We're able to seek out resources, be able to find words to the ways that we are feeling and finding other people who feel the way that we feel, whether this is transgender issues or just regular LGB issues. So I think that we are very lucky, although the internet has brought some not so great things, it has also brought some really great things that have been really supportive to a lot of communities and people who are supportive of these communities. And that is what my guest and I talk about today. So today I talked to Jack A. Ori and Jack tells us about his transition story and also about his book. So I hope that you enjoy Jack and appreciate what he is providing the trans community and their families. Well, hello, Chit Chatters. I am so very lucky today to introduce you to Jack A. Ori because Jack has a wonderful story to tell us and has been working on a project that I think all of you would be interested in. Jack, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. So, Jack, you are an author, a storyteller. Uh, What else? Tell us more about you. 
Yes, I am an author, storyteller, and a parenting coach. I'm transgender. I came out in my 30s. And ever since then, I've wanted to make things easier for the next generation of transgender kids. So interesting. Yeah. So I do coaching. I coach parents of transgender kids. I help them figure out how to be more supportive of their kids and how to take this gender journey together. Nice. Now, are you willing to share your gender journey with us? Sure, sure. So, like I said, I came out of my 30s. When I was a kid, I grew up in the 80s, so this was not a time where there was a lot known about transgender people. Yes. It's not something that was discussed commonly like today in my Facebook group. I have people who have kids as young as three or four who are coming out as transgender, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. But when I was growing up, that wasn't a thing. For me, it was like a thing where I didn't even know that's what I was. Like, I knew I felt like a boy. Mm-hmm. I knew the adults said I was a girl. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't accept what they said. And mm-hmm. I didn't have the language to really explain or explore. And so it was a very uncomfortable kind of thing where it was like I was always more likely to feel like a kinship with other boys and want to be friends with boys but you know around fourth fifth grade where boys are like oh I only want to play boys and girls only want to play with girls Mm -hmm. there was really no place for me I had one friend who was a boy and then all the other kids would like make fun of us because they were like you're playing with them you know so that kind of thing and then so then later when I went away to college I would use like male pseudonyms on my social media and stuff and it would be obviously like oh is it just a pseudonym kind of thing like it took me a while to put it together and then mm-hmm. when I was in my early 30s and I moved to North Carolina I was teaching special education which is a whole other topic but mm-hmm. anyway I had a friend who was bisexual and later came out to me as well as transgender and that made me start thinking about my own gender identity and things started to click and I began dressing more male at that time I was identifying more as non-binary because I was like I'm not male I'm not female kind of thing but when I would dress male and I would you know, I didn't have this beard on that I have now because I wasn't on testosterone yet. But I, and I gotta say, it is a pretty killer beard because nobody will see this video, but it is a killer beard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, but I, you know, I would dress male. I would wear like a male dress shirt, male pair of slacks, and I would, and a belt. And I had a short haircut and I'd walk into a restaurant and, you know, in North Carolina, everything is all ma'am and sir. And they, they would be like, how are you doing, ma'am? And it would be like, no. Mm-hmm. That would like really bother me and really aggravate me. So at a certain point, I was less like, the coach I was seeing at the time was like, why have you not done anything about transitioning? Mm-hmm. I was complaining about this all the time. So, yeah. so, and why hadn't you? I had just not really thought about it. I had just been like, At the time, I think I was just kind of like, am I male? Am I female? What am I? You know, Mm -hmm. but it was like getting to the point where it was like, oh, let me look into this. And, you know, it also was a thing in North Carolina was more difficult to like changing your name was like $600 um, just for that. Dealing with they have to do an FBI background check and they have to make sure you don't know child support and all this sort of stuff. You have to do a mm-hmm. state check, you have to do a federal check. It yeah. takes a really long time and they have really restrictive laws there. I had a friend there who had changed her last name because she had changed religions and then they didn't want to let her change her first name to a female name when she transitioned because you already changed your name. 
Interesting. <laughs> oh, anyway, they want to so, be able to track you if you, yeah. uh, you owe money somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so that was one issue. And I never really thought about medical transition, didn't know what to do. Like, and eventually, and I wasn't at that time out to my family because I hadn't figured it all out. So mm-hmm. it took a while to put all that together. And I was fortunate that I was able to change my name. That was not the first thing that I did. I went to actually in North Carolina, Planned Parenthood does um, transgender care, which is interesting. That's awesome. Oh and my gosh. Really cool. So I was able to get that done. Now I'm in New York where Planned Parenthood doesn't do it, but there are LGBT clinics. And since the pandemic, I've also been fortunate that my dad's a doctor and he's supportive. So I just get the doctor prescribes the hormones and my dad Mm-hmm. Just the shots. So nice. I was lucky in that respect because that yeah. was like a big source of stress during the pandemic. Like, I'm not going into New York City in the middle of this. No, so no. How am I going to get this done? <laughs> so that's great. So that worked well for you. Now, are you also a parent? I am not, but my sister is, and she lives like five minutes away. And she actually okay. has quadruplets. So. Oh my gosh. So, All right. so, like, so that's four kids the same age and I'm there like so all there's the time. a few left over for you to help out yeah, with. <laughs> yeah. So I go there for dinner every night and on Tuesdays I go there for half of the day and mm-hmm. spend time with them. So Wow. Wow. That is a whole lot of children at once. <laughs> yes. So with your transition, what was something that you found very useful, like helpful from other people? How were other people able to support you? So there were a couple of ways. It was very helpful to talk to people who were at different stages in their transition. And mm-hmm. that's something I tried to do for other people too. Like one time I was at the clinic and this other trans guy came up to me and he was like, wow, you have a real, and he like complimented me on the beard. He was like, how long did that take? Cause I just started on, I want to get a beard like that. So, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like people telling you like, yeah, mm-hmm. so I told him people telling me like what their transition was like was helpful. Online support groups are really helpful because a lot of times people don't have anyone in their physical life to talk mm-hmm. to. But if you go on Facebook, there are a million support. Mm-hmm. Just like yes. I have one for parents or a million for transgender people themselves as well. Mm-hmm. I'm part of a group called the Give Them Hope campaign, which is started by a guy in England named David Waters, where he wanted to bring a lot of LGBT people together to make videos and talk about their experiences and encourage other people. So that's why it's been a really helpful group for me as well. And just talking to people and just having supportive friends that, you know, you come out to them and they're like, oh, cool, you know, rather Mm -hmm. than being shocked or horrified or anything else. And then I never actually called any LGBT lines, but after when I came to New York, I worked for the Trevor Project for a while and Mm -hmm. we had a lot of trans people who called and we had a lot of parents of trans people who called, which is where I first started realizing I wanted to do parenting coaching because every parent, you know, when you call a line like the Trevor Project, it's all random who you get. It's whoever answers the phone, you know? Yeah. And it just, there happened to be times, a couple of times where I just happened to answer the phone and the person would be like, my child just told me they're transgender and I don't know whether this is real or what to do. Mm -hmm. And so being able to talk to the parents about my experience and be like, well, look, I came out of my 30s and this is what it was like for me. A lot of times it's very helpful for them. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what do you say to a parent that's like, well, my kid is three. How are they supposed to even know if they're trans? Maybe they're just confused. Right. So a lot of what I talk about is I go through my own experience and I talk about the fact that most of the time people do know from an early age. And I also like to reassure parents that at that age, nothing is going to be permanent. So Mm -hmm. if your child is saying I'm a boy or I'm a girl, it doesn't harm them to Mm -hmm. work with it because if when they're older, they're like, you know what, that was just a phase. Mm-hmm. No harm, no foul. They can go back to the way yeah. they work. It's like I'm a three-year-old. You're not going to be doing surgeries or anything like that. Yeah. It's mostly going to be dressing mm-hmm. a certain way, using a certain name. But I also like to give the statistics that I think that a majority of cases, kids do grow up to be who they say they are. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. as they get older, you can always reassess. And it's all about listening to your child and where your child is at now. Mm-hmm. Because I get that a lot from parents because I work with a lot of adolescents who are trying to figure out their identity. And parents are like, well, it's got to be just a phase because they're all doing it on social media. Do you get that from parents often, too? I do. I do. I, I actually got that from my parents, too, when I first transitioned. Interesting. That they were just like, you have friends who are transgender. Are you sure this is why? Yes, you like know. you caught the trans bug or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is the kind of thing where it can be difficult because the trans person doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> like yes. This. Yeah. And yep. I think the thing to keep in mind too is that by the time someone comes out to the parent, they've already gone through this journey inside mm-hmm. where they're soul searching and they're like, I just can't be this way anymore. I have to mm-hmm. express who I really am. But for the parents, it's often all new because the yes. parent is a lot of times it's sort of out of the blue for them where they're like, what? And I think like with my parents, I think there was some feeling of like, how did we not know this before? Like, mm-hmm. And I think sometimes parents feel that way. Like they feel like they're bad parents or they failed somehow if they didn't notice this, you know, mm. they didn't know about the child telling them. And mm-hmm. because of that, sometimes, well, maybe I didn't notice because it's not real or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's a process that you have to go through. Like you start, and I think there is some grief involved because a lot of times for parents, they're like, they do feel like I'm losing my daughter. I'm losing my son, even though the person's the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels they're like losing their dreams for that child, right. even though it's the same person. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. they feel like this is not what I expected. This is not the person that I knew. Mm-hmm. And Especially because I think when you transition, it's not just a gender thing, right? Like mm-hmm. it changes a lot of areas of your life and yes. actually changes your family's life also. So it's mm-hmm. not just you. It's not something that happens in a vacuum either. Like mm-hmm. then there are decisions that parents have to make, especially, especially depending on the child's age. The parents might be making medical decisions about do we do hormone blockers to stop puberty? Or mm-hmm. um, if the child is 16 or older, I think it is do we do the cross-sex hormones and let them start transitioning? So that's mm-hmm. one thing. And even and whatever they decide, there's always the question of what do we tell our relatives? Who yes. do we tell? What do we do about that relative that we know is going to not be happy about this? Mm-hmm. And all those questions. So it's a lot of stress for everybody. And yeah. I think that a lot of times when somebody transitions, it makes them feel free in other ways. So they might be happier, but they also might be more willing to stand up for themselves or they might be Mm -hmm. 
their personality might be different in some other way because they were holding something back before. Because yeah. it's not just like a simple thing of, okay, now I'm going to say I'm male, that's it. You know, yeah. And then there's always dealing with, you know, all these other gender stereotypes and things that people and expectations. You know, you read about trans people like a a person who transitions from one gender to the other might discover there's more discrimination or less discrimination when Mm -hmm. they're perceived to be that particular. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition to their being discrimination of based on them being trans which is always mm-hmm. stressful and especially for kids it's like which bathroom do I go to in school what do I mm-hmm. do in gym class all those kinds of things yeah yeah now I worked a lot of years in the development of disability field with children and maybe like 15 18 years ago I started noticing that a lot of the kids that I was working with that may have been on the autism spectrum we're starting to like not even question their identity, but maybe presented the opposite gender of what they were born as. And so I'm noticing there's some research that's coming out that's saying that, you know, there's a higher percentage of people with autism who may also identify as trans. Have you seen that as well? I'm autistic also. So, okay. Interesting. Uh, I've definitely seen it in myself. Um, uh-huh. And on all, a, lot of the, a lot of the autism groups that I'm on on Facebook, there are a lot of people who are coming out asking questions about gender identity. So I definitely think that's a factor. And I also think part of it is that people of autism very often don't prescribe to social expectations as yes. easily. So mm-hmm. it may be easier for someone with autism actually to be able to identify for themselves that they're transgender because for someone with autism, very often there's not this connect of women are this way and men are this way and I'm mm-hmm. a woman, so I should be like this or I'm a man, so I should be like this. So yeah, yeah. I think it's a lot easier for them to be, for someone on the spectrum to be like, who cares whether this is not typical? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm reading too. It's because like, it's not a part of who they are. It's just like, I'm me, you know, I'm not going to change who I am just to suit what you think I should be. Yeah. Which is a great thing. And I'm glad that people are starting to recognize and just let people be who they are. So yeah. Now Elliot Page just came out. What do you think about that? having to come out to the whole world. I always have mixed feelings about these celebrity coming out kind uh-huh. of things. So on the one hand, it's really awesome for kids to have role models, mm-hmm. you know, and to be like, this person's a famous actor and they're trans, so I can be what I want to be also. Because we hear in the news so much about trans discrimination or parents who kick the trans kids out of the house or this person was killed because they were trans and we don't hear the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, I like that there are these celebrities who are coming out, but on the other hand, it's like now they're on display for the whole world. And now it's like, that's the therapist in me that starts worrying about them. And like, Oh my gosh, I would not want to have to come out about anything to the whole world. And then yeah. to this. Yeah, because you see that for all kinds of celebrities, like celebrities who are dating. You see that they post mm-hmm. something else about their life or their work on social media. And everyone's like, oh, are you still dating so-and-so? Like, Yeah, yep, yeah. I f- was worried about the Time magazine because Elliot looked not so healthy. And I don't know if that was just me <laughs> that was thinking that or... <laughs> I don't know. He just looked 
I don't know, maybe the photographer did not do the best. <laughs> that could be, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, on these magazines, they're always like airbrush and they yeah. try to make it look a certain way. And Yeah. Yeah. My inclination is to try to reach out and be like, do you, do you need a coach? Because <laughs> I am concerned. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> right. But yeah, but yeah, definitely I feel like being in the spotlight. And then I think it's also important too for people to realize that being transgender cuts across all demographics, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not because I think a lot of what we see is we see the Caitlyn Jenners who are yes. super <laughs> privileged and <laughs> mm -hmm. living in their bubble. And it's and that makes sometimes makes people be like, oh, this is like this trend that rich people do. But mm -hmm. there are plenty of trans people, number one, who are not white. Yeah. Um, there mm -hmm. are plenty of trans people who are not rich. In fact, the majority of them. Yes. And you know, it cuts into issues like what about healthcare and transgender people who can't access healthcare and mm -hmm. never mind transitioning care, which can be prohibitively expensive, but just basic healthcare mm -hmm. uh, or with job discrimination. A lot of times people have trouble working and all those kinds of issues are not always addressed because when they focus on the celebrities, you focus on the people who are not having those problems. Yeah. And once you start looking at it, you start seeing that it's like a system. Right. It's right. like I can't get a job because I'm being discriminated with work. And then without work, I might not be able to have health insurance. Without health insurance, I can't get my hormones. Without my hormones, my mental health might be up. Right. It's just like this this right. spiral that can happen yeah, that I don't think can it happen. And then you got things like they can't someone can't get work, so they become a sex worker because they can't do yes. it. Or or you know, some people might do other illegal things, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't see that. It's like, that is a resource for a lot of people, but I think that they don't see what's behind it. So they can be very judgmental of that. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think there's a whole, like a lot of people, it's hard to wrap your mind around. I think if you're not transgender or you haven't really been exposed to it because everyone has a gender identity. And so like a person who is cisgender will be like, I'm male and I was and it matches, like you'll mm -hmm. still have that feeling inside being male or female. But mm -hmm. the idea of I was born female or assigned female at birth, but that's not what I feel like. That can be hard to wrap your mind around if it's not something you experience because it's like it just doesn't compute. Yes. And I have experienced that too. Just like when I explain to people what I do for work and they're like, I don't understand. I don't understand why. Why would they want to do that? And I was like, <sighs> and, yeah. and you know, I was like, I, we just, I just wanted to go on a date. I didn't want to have to explain <laughs> like everything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, it, you're right. Sometimes for some people, it just doesn't compute if they don't have the exposure, which then I think turns into fear. Right. And then that's when people are discriminatory and stuff like that. So right. it's just, yeah, it's one big ball of shit that just keeps rolling down a hill right, sometimes. <laughs> right. I remember I read a story a couple of years ago about this woman in Texas who had a transgender child and she lived in like this very small, very insulated, super Christian community. And so at first she was like, this is wrong and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna spank it out of her and all those kinds of things. And later she realized 
this is my child and she became an advocate for her and the whole community pretty much shunned her and was like, why are you encouraging your child to do this? You know, people online would be saying things like, this woman is not a hero because first she was abusing her child, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of like, if you live in that insular community where there's nobody who's trans and everybody believes that it's mm -hmm. evil and then yeah. you have a trans child, you can't be expected to know. Yeah what to do because you've never been exposed to it. Your whole community has never been exposed to it. And you've been raised with the idea that this is evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to break out of that. Yeah. But it helps if there is a coach like you out there. Right. Exactly. So how do people get a hold of you if they're finding that they're struggling with their child in transition? So there are a couple of different ways. I have a Facebook page at Coach Jack Oree. I also have a Facebook group, which is support network for parents of transgender kids. I'm Coach Jack Ree every place on Twitter and Instagram also. Nice. Um, so just have the same names and just remember that name and just look at your social media platforms. And I also have a website, which right now is at jackaoree.com, which mixes my coaching and my writing. But I have a web designer who's working on getting me a brand new site for my coaching nice. on Coach Jack, which will eventually be on coachjackmarie.com. Nice. And now you mentioned as an author, you write books. Now, do yes. you write nonfiction or fiction? I write fiction. I have a novel, Reinventing Hannah, which is out on Amazon already, which it's not, even though it's not trans-specific, I think it would be really interesting to people who are going through the transition process as well, because it is about transformation. It's a, about a 16-year-old girl who, she's unfortunately, she's sexually assaulted, and afterwards, she goes through this transformation from being so quiet, her friends call her mouse, to being an advocate for herself and, and other survivors. And so she goes through the whole process of being very different than the way she was before. You know, she starts dressing in a way that's more her and she starts dating the guy she wants to date even though her friends don't approve and she mm -hmm. starts standing up for herself more and standing up to her friends when she doesn't like what they're doing and so for them they're like what is wrong with you you know mm -hmm. and it's very difficult for them to accept and so she ends up feeling like this is who I am this is who I need to be but nice. she, it's not an easy transformation for mm -hmm. her and then you know she also has a voice in her own head and throughout the book she kind of makes a differentiation between mouse, which is what her friends call her, and Hannah, that, you know, that times she'll be like, she'll want to let something go or not want to say what she really mm -hmm. thinks. And then in the book, it'll be like, but that was mouse's idea, not really what she felt. Mm. And so she kind of goes through that process of differentiating between who she really is and who she's kind of trained herself to be. Interesting. And we can get that on Amazon. Yes. Yes. On awesome. Amazon. It's available in ebook, uh, hardcover, and paperback right now. And I'm working on the audiobook. It should be out in Great. June, I think. Great. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm going to encourage all my listeners to pick up your book and head over to your website. And if my listeners are parents of kids who are coming out as trans, they should give you a shout. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. 
So I hope that all of you go over onto Jack's website, on his social media. You can go to our show notes and find all those addresses and handles and make sure that you are subscribing to this podcast so that you are informed when we let out a new episode and make sure that you're sharing it with your friends and family so that we can get out to as many ears as possible. All right, until next time, keep being amazing and keep loving each other. Bye-bye. 